0: Survivors, it's time to wake up. Here's your host, Phelan Fairchild. Good morning, survivors, and welcome to another episode. I am sitting here in the middle of the morning, middle of the night, whatever you want to call it. And we are having this really wicked and severe cold snap. And I have this outdoor cat named Callie that has been living here for a couple of years. But every time the winter comes, because I'm out here in the swamp, and because I desperately fear for her life every time it gets frigid, we have very cruel, cruel winters. I mean, wicked cruel winters not with snow really we don't get snow we don't really have anything except these dangerously low temperatures and I always fixate on the animals outside and my poor little cat so I've been out like 15 times in the night to check on her in the shed because she won't let me bring her in she absolutely hates to be she has you know she's a wild cat she absolutely hates to be inside while she's friendly she doesn't want to come indoors all right I respect that consent is everything. I don't even pick up my cats in the house unless they give me the cue that it's okay. Because my cat, Rat, who is very much my familiar, very much my literal projection of my behavior, and personality, quirks, will scream at me if she doesn't want to be picked up or even touched if she's not in the mood. And so I have to kind of, you know how you have to touch a pot before you know if it's hot or not? That's kind of what I have to do to my cat, Ratty. I have to make sure that she's not going to scream and hiss and yell and Bite my face off, even though most of the time she's like, "It's cool, we're getting along, I'm having a good day." The pendulum is swinging in a positive way, <laughs> and I have to literally, you know, kind of feel her out for the day. And I know for a fact that's how people feel about me who are in my life. Is it a good fay day or a bad fay day? Well, we'll find out. Anyway, what I what I sat here today and I thought about was um, how familiar my my one cat is to me, how I seem to have kind of created her in my own image, which sounds so bizarre, I know, but just follow me here. She has so many of my little perks and my quirks and my little bizarre attitudes. She doesn't like other cats at all. Like, she just, she has no time and no patience for other cats. I have a younger cat that I rescued, and she just, doesn't want him to have anything to do with her so she's just she doesn't like any cats I mean any cats and I thought to myself well that's okay because sometimes I really don't like people I don't know if you can relate to that this is going to sound like such a very strange and weird contradiction but I've never been a people person I'm a cat person I don't think it's any surprise to most people who've known me throughout my life, whether I was a child, middling, or an adult, that I moved into a swamp a million miles away from everyone, and I and like Shrek. You know, I kind of just live out here with the wild, kind of gone feral, joined a tribe of raccoons. I get along great with nature. People kind of annoy me. I don't know, and I thought about this for a long time, when I think about each of my animals and their distinctive personalities, how much did I influence the way that she developed from a kitten? And are there parallels to the way we influence each other or influence the children we raise or the friends and peer groups that we spend time with? And the more that I spent time thinking about influence, the more that I realized what a powerful thing that is. And what a very dangerous thing that is, actually. Because I spent time looking over things in history where influence seemed to participate in a tipping point or a complete meltdown of society as we knew it in certain sectors that we had to build back up from scratch or somehow apologize for later on or have never atoned for because some people uh, still believe that was normal or okay. And have we, as a society, placed the position of influencer on the right people? Because influencers, you know, such a, a trendy buzzword nowadays. Everybody wants to be an influencer. This guy on Twitter with six followers calls himself an influencer because six people are listening. Never, ever <laughs> been an influencer. I don't want to be an influencer. I would never want to wear the mantle. Of influencing somebody else's beliefs or behavior because I think that you are then presumed to be infallible, which is a terrifying thing. And I'm a mess. So there's no way, under any circumstances, I would want to be perceived as knowing well enough what I'm doing to make you think I know more than you do so that you listen to and follow in my footsteps and fall on your faces like I have a million times. That is not something I want to be responsible for. That is not something that I want to be in control of, is other people. When I'm still trying to find the handles and the gear shift on my own life, at my age, not the right person to be trusting with any kind of influence. But I have to say, in terms of our society and culture, we haven't made the best decisions in the past. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, and you're surprisingly enough, you guys, this isn't a political conversation. Okay? This has nothing to do with politics. This is about, throughout history, what we have allowed to influence us to the degree that it has shaped the way we look. I don't necessarily mean physically, but certainly there are aspects to that. I mean, obviously. But. Also, morally, whatever you deem to be morally correct or morally abominable, whatever your moral compass needle points to, who determined that, you know? And I was sort of going through and thinking about something as significant as war, something as significant as genocide, something as significant as murder, cruelty, torture, and how that has been influenced by things, and more specifically, like religion. And I'm not going to sit here and go on a bender about religion, right? I'm sure most people have their perspective, and I'm a great respecter of faith, and I absolutely appreciate everyone's agency to express the faith in the way that they see fit and most fulfills them because I believe we are all here on a journey in pursuit of our own happiness and for some people their faith is a very important role in that. But religion when I started to go back and research things that were in the Bible, not any of the new variations of the Bible that kind of have rewritten it and erased things or changed wording or phrasing in order to not seem specifically violently horrific and targeted at anything multicultural, or uh, to not seem so audacious and ridiculous, which many of the new uh, versions have tried so hard to make them appealing to younger generations. I just think to myself, there was somebody who influenced a great many people and how those people aggregated around the concepts of their specific beliefs, trusting that that individual somehow knew more, possessed more knowledge, a heightened awareness, broader intelligence than they did and thus they handed off their ability to discern quite frequently between right and wrong or lost trust and confidence in their own ability to know what is good and what is bad what is right and what is wrong and instead used the record of another person whether it be Jesus Christ or Joseph Smith or uh, Jim Jones for example. Remember that man that somehow maniacally convinced a bunch of people in uh, his cult to put on Nikes because the Hellbop Comet was flying overhead and everybody needed to commit suicide so that they could join the aliens, the supreme beings on the comet, because they had such a limited window. What was his name? Applebee, Applebottom, something... I don't remember. I remember the pictures of him when that happened, when they walked into that mansion, I believe in California, Los Angeles, perhaps San Francisco, someplace in California, and found all those people dead, having killed themselves uh, wearing Nikes and wearing all white in order to board this ship that was the Hellbop Comet. It just blows my mind, and I never understood really at that age back then, how that was possible. How are you going to ever in a million years convince somebody to off themselves or to believe in something as preposterous as aliens uh, doing a drive-by from 8 billion miles away and you've got to make sure to catch a ride on the tailwind so that you can move on to a higher plateau or some greater plane of existence? How do you convince somebody that that with no... Evidence, no facts, nothing but a kind of this really bizarre and twisted philosophy that you use to convince somebody else that what you're saying is not able to be challenged. That it's got to be a gift, really, to be so charismatic that what you say, no matter how far fetched and unrealistic how untethered from logic and sanity somebody is going to completely buy into. And I was like, of course that could never happen in a million years in the broader world. I mean, how long would it take you to find some people? I mean, how long would you have to peddle your beliefs around the world to find 8 or 10 people or 16 people to buy into what you're selling? Especially something as outrageous as... You know, the, the aliens going by on a comet and having a limited time to catch the bus. And I'm just, like, shocked and amazed today, but also deeply saddened that it is clear to me that is not the case. At all. That is not the case. I am, every day, more surprised instead at how badly people, human beings... Need and want to be influenced because they don't have any direction and no confidence in themselves. People who are so scared of being alone in their thoughts or being alone in their beliefs or, or being alone in their dissent of something that sounds ridiculous or whatever that they will literally sell themselves into something that ends up ending their life. I've watched this play out. You've watched this play out, right? You've watched these people attack the Capitol on January 6th, who were all led to the belief that the United States election was stolen, right? There was no evidence. There was no evidence of this at all. There had been dozens and dozens of lawsuits and audits and investigations and all of these things, right? It didn't exist. It simply didn't happen. But you get some charismatic leader who wants these people, n- needs these people, to believe it happened in order to serve their cause. And they use their platform, which has somehow bestowed upon them this tremendous power, to sell these people a lie. This concept of fiction that never existed and will not exist in any reality in any universe, but managed to get them to jump into it headfirst on the belief that this individual, by virtue of their power and financial wealth, knows more than they know, understands more than they understand, has a higher or elevated awareness that they don't possess, access to some ability to discern between real and fake that they don't have anymore, and thus would put themselves in absolute jeopardy to satisfy an individual. That's the kind of influence that scares me. That's the kind of influence that I'm seeing more and more frequently pop up and do you know when I realize this seems to pop up in history is times of desperation, despair, long terms of sadness and, and trouble, financial stress, a great period of discontent. That's when these figures grift onto people's pain or their desire to believe in something or someone greater than themselves or something or someone that can provide them some semblance of a community that they can integrate to upon which a design or infrastructure is built for them to commit to entirely, a hill to die on. For young people, it's like, you know, your favorite television show. Was it Debbie Gibson, your favorite singer? Was it Tiffany? New Kids on the Block or Backstreet Boys? Whatever. Now, and at points throughout history, it was significantly more damaging to the mental state of human beings. And people used that influence and they used that power over others to do the most horrific things imaginable and somehow manage to get others on board. And it isn't just something as silly as getting onto to you know, you're not selling leggings. You're not recruiting people underneath you while collecting a little paycheck at the top, right? This isn't a La La Rue scheme. These are things like go die for me or shed all your Worldly possessions and earthly goods, and live on this farm and be one of my 18 brides and have sex with me and bear my children. And then, when I'm abusive and cruel and the feds show up, I'm gonna throw you in front of me like a shield, and that's got to be okay by you. How does that happen? How did Charles Manson never commit a murder but yet? managed to convince other people to do it in his name. How and who falls for that? What kind of vacancy spot has to be open in your brain? And it's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of wanting desperately to be a part of something greater than yourself. Something that you are told by design you can't have access to, so you simply have to trust. It's that desire to be a part of something special or unique. Feel privileged, chosen, patriot. And everybody else doesn't get it right. They don't understand. It's just you and those like you. You're going to go to hell. You hate America. You're going to be left behind. It's that desire to feel somehow like you belong you matter more than others, it lends itself to a sense of superiority, where those people feel like in order to reach up to something higher, they have to stand on the backs of something lower. And it never serves them. Never, never serves them. It always serves some other, usually more sinister figure. In all honesty, usually somebody like a Hitler Somebody who can convince people that putting human beings in gas chambers is somehow a justified cause for the betterment of society. Or a Bible that can influence slavery as white people put men and women and children of of color into shackles and sold them at auctions because of Leviticus 25. How we can use our means in order to pursue superiority rather than our own happiness, that selfish pursuit that we trust and believe is our right to do, to possess our happiness, stand on somebody else's back, hurt someone else, take something away from someone else, and believe ourselves somehow a greater universal production. I think that's that's a lot to do with the QAnon conspiracy mess, right? Those people believe they're part of a production. They're part of something so important. This manufactured deep state rebellion, right? And they're in on it. They're in on it, and they know it's happening, and, like, generals are tugging their ears or giving keywords, and there's these info drops happening that you don't know about and I don't know about, but they're getting on, like, sub-forums or the dark web or something very, like, fringe. They're part of something much bigger, and that makes them better than you. Makes them smarter than you. It makes them more qualified, more intelligent than you. Because somebody, somewhere, created up this conspiracy, cooked it up, cooked it up in a petri dish of various ideas. Could have been a couple people. I heard that QAnon started on 4chan, decided, hey, troll troll, we're going to say this. And all it took was a few people to buy into it, believe that they had found some little gem, some little nugget online that could fit the narrative that they wanted. That Donald Trump or a high level person at the very top of the chain was talking to them, and somebody influenced them to believe that. Absolutely and wholeheartedly, to the point where these folks would go out on a street in the middle of winter and wait for 48 hours for JFK to come driving down and wave. I'm sorry. To me, that just sounds unplugged, divorced from reality. It completely sounds like a mental breakdown. I've had one. I mean, I've never sat outside of my house and waited for JFK to drive by. But believe it or not, in the midst of my mental breakdowns, I've thought some pretty ridiculous things and had some significant paranoias. Mental illness is no joke. But we're not allowed to call it that, right? We're not allowed to say these people are experiencing a mass delusion or hysteria in the same way that we're not allowed to question people's beliefs and things that we might not understand or agree with. For me, it's religion, organized religion, any organized religion. It's not my thing, not my place to agree or disagree or approve or disapprove of it. I have my opinions, okay? And I personally think religion has damaged society irreparably. I think it has caused a great deal of destruction and sorrow and loss of life that it can never atone for. And it is still to this day passing around plates of cash between the Joel Olsteins and the Kenneth Copelands and the Joyce Myers, and it's no different to me than the Scientology people in the Elrond Hubbards and God knows I'm a suppressive person. I would be declared an SP and vacated from the lives of all Scientologists who would, you know, exile me. But that concerns me that we have lost the plot so far and for so long. And we have entertained things that have no basis in reality and accepted them as ways of life. Right? Accepted them as normal If you can convince a child, if you allow your kid, excuse me for a moment, this is not to be offensive, it's just for a parallel. If you can convince a kid at six years old, like I was, that there is a man in the sky who is watching over every single one of my movements, and in order to be a person of quality in life, in order to be afforded any blessings, in order for anything good to happen to me, or to have any respect, from my peers, or to earn my salvation in the afterlife, I have to live between these goalposts. Otherwise, I'm going to suffer extreme pain and punishment from this man in the sky. If you can convince a six-year-old and influence great millions of people to believe that, how can then you tell these same children that there are not robotic animals that turn into massive space morphin power rangers and that's fake and not real and laugh at them for believing in things like uh you know Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy or how do you stop the ludicrous from happening how do you how where is the boundary anymore right where is okay that's silly but that's crazy pardon the ableist word that's but how where do you find that line where is that line cuz i'm not seeing it anymore i feel like we've entertained extremism and we've entertained fantasy for so long and had it peddled as reality and people have built their entire structures of life around it based not on anything that has happened not on anything evidentiary not on anything that we can trace or track or that we can touch or feel or that we can look at in history there was never a man in a whale's belly never did the sea divide never did, you know none of these things existed but we accept them as though they did or we accept that other people believe that but they can't believe that I'm transgender. But they'll laugh at somebody who's a Scientologist and talk about how they're going to hell. So where do we find that boundary? Where do we say, wow, the influence of an individual or a powerful leader or a body of powerful leaders has corrupted the minds and our ability to draw logic and reality from fantasy and fiction into dispute. Where where do we stop? Where do we say, okay, enough is enough. We need to remove these negative impacts on our mental ability to thrive in a society where there is no angels coming down with wings that are going to stop me from overdosing if I decide I want to challenge God. When do we stop and say, okay, guys, time to stop this? When is it okay for us to fully confess That these individuals have sought control, not the betterment of the human race. Control of thought. That their influence has allowed them a sort of policing of our independence. And I don't mean that politically, but I mean our freedom of belief, our freedom of our availability to provide ourselves sustenance by avenue of our experiences and pursuit of our happiness, and how we've been detoured by these individuals that history has delivered unto us like a pox, like a cancer. And that control has enveloped the lives of millions of people from the start of it to the end of it. Some people whose end being a very byproduct of the control of thought that they have lived under. Somebody running to an airport, wearing a bomb, getting on a plane, and killing themselves in the name of something because someone told them that was an avenue to salvation or redemption. When is is okay to say, It's all a lie. When is it okay for us to stop feeding the beast? When is it okay for us to step back and take a look at the big picture here and admit that this is not a part of our natural evolution as a species? That there are very, very bad actors who have contributed to disaster, turmoil, heartache, and death. And they still do. They still do because control is a means to power, influence is a means to control. And when I stand back and I look at these thought leaders, we'll call them, I'm genuinely scared because I see so many people handing off their sovereignty, believing that they're being a free thinker. And it's not. But you don't say that because we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want anybody to get upset because we've been alone ourselves, even those who have stayed a safe distance from it or had at some point in our lives found an off-ramp from it. For some people, it's when they realized they were gay or transgender or that organized religion was not serving or intended to ever serve them because they couldn't fit between the goalposts or they were already going to hell so they threw up their hands and just gave up. It should be not a burden that we bear upon ourselves as some sort of guilty party to call it out and, and confess what it is, which is no different than burn the witch. Influence allowed for countless women to be... Tried and hanged or tortured because of this hysteria that developed in Europe and carried over from Orthodox religion that persecuted women and that was then weaponized against them even by other women who were jealous or felt slighted or didn't feel that they shared the the same status of. It was easy she's a witch. Burn her because it says that she's evil. Critical thinking is being robbed of us. Living in reality is something that has become more difficult and painful and oppressive because we've been forced to coexist with these people. People who live in a fantasy world, and we're not allowed to express our surprise or disappointment in our fellow folks because we're not sharing the same universe, even. We're not sharing the same plane of existence. We're watching them float off because someone told them how it was. And the rest of us are all wrong. We don't know what we're talking about. We're all doomed. We're not special or important enough to know, and they are. And we have to entertain that. That We have to sit back and watch a bunch of people on the news beating up police and attacking the Capitol building. We have to sit back and watch our Congress people talk about extremely bizarre conspiracy theories that they have entirely sold themselves into. I'll tell you something that really frightens me, is because we are in One of those eras presently of despair and peril and a crippling fear. This era is one of incredible unrest that we're living in right now. That is very fertile ground for dangerous people to rise to power. Because when we are lost, we look for a shepherd. When we are scared, we look to place our safety in a protector. Our confidence in somebody who we trust, and there are some very nefarious people who abuse that and use that to their advantage. One of those people that I think has been most prominent as of late has been that Marjorie Taylor Greene. I've been, from the beginning of her political career, so concerned about her behavior and the things that she says while platformed, because none of it is rooted in reality. It is rooted in the interest of controlling the beliefs of others. And other people in her party have come out more recently and admitted that Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't actually believe the things that she's saying to you. She doesn't actually use what she's selling. She doesn't adhere to the beliefs that she's peddling like snake oil. But it's working for her because she's raising more money than any other individual running for a political office by virtue of radicalizing those who are listening, who trust her. And she's grifted on this radicalism. She's grifted on division. She's grifted on contention and friction on the trans issue, on racial issues, on women's right to choose issues. She's looked for places where she can wedge herself in and appeal to the prejudices or manufacture outrage. And she has used that to enrich herself, to make herself effectively the bank for those in despair to deposit their faith in. And that is a very scary kind of influence. That's something that could lead to a result much worse than an attack on a Capitol building. That's somebody who represents a very deep, Seated threat, not to a country, but to a people, to a mental stability that we rely on to self-govern. And that kind of thing terrifies me, because whatever infinite damage she causes, we who are standing aside in the wings, watching, still have to process. So there is a significant amount of collateral damage as a result of a figure like that, who will take advantage of a period of great distress. And through history, there have been these people who have used that, whether they've used it to increase their fame, somebody like a Kardashian or their wealth, somebody like a Donald Trump or an Elon Musk or their power in a position that gives them the ability to determine the rules the rest of us live by. Whether that's in the context of religion, like a Joel Osteen with his thirty-five thousand-seat stadium mega churches, where his reach is into not a, a a place ensconced between walls, but a reach over borders of countries, and he's selling salvation at a cost that has been infinite. His pockets are endless now. And there has been a dozen variations of the Joel Osteens, if not hundreds of variations of them to various degrees, whether it be the Benny Hins or, you know, the Joyce Myers or the Creflo Dollars or the Pat Robertsons or the Jimmy Bakers or the Swaggers any of them that have even proven time and time again to be morally bankrupt and not adherent to the very thing they preach, not at all convicted by the very laws that they propose you live by, they still somehow manage to fleece other people into softening their fall, buttering their bread, maintaining their status, because without that influence, And by proxy, that control, who are they? Who are they? And there will always be them waiting to come and fill a void in the lives of somebody who is depressed, anxious, despondent, lonely, isolated, feels alienated, rejected, ignored. There will always be somebody who comes along to sell them a Q or a Jesus or a Trump who makes them feel included in special and finally heard or acknowledged, even if it's not true, even if they have to build a mythology in order to propose it or pitch it so that other people buy it. And I find that really scary because I don't want to see that happen. But it's really difficult. It's really difficult, especially in present times, to find those who are resistant to it, who have built up enough of a callus to modern-day snake oil salespeople to say, That's ludicrous because we have been accepting of things more fanatical and fantastical for so long. We've been entertaining it our entire lives to one degree or another, in one context or another. We, as a culture, have created the perfect storm. Influence is something that can be gravely damaging to society, and we've seen it so often often in our lifetimes. And that's why I believe it's so important for us to put up a firewall between ourselves and people who are posturing themselves as clear enemies of your conscience. They are a virus unto themselves to the fabric of our intellect and our discernment and our ability to determine the things you learn back in the sandbox, right and wrong. Good and bad, what is up, what is down, what is red, what is blue, things we are no longer allowed to accept as our reality because we are selling off pieces of it to radicalists. And we are complicit in enabling it if we don't call it out, if we don't outwardly reject it, and even to a degree try our best to educate. And to an extent, when it comes to something like what happened on January 6th, shame those people. Why are we not allowed to make them feel ashamed for what they did? Why is the Have we really slipped that far down the cliff with them all that we're not allowed to call it out? The event we're allowed to say is horrific, but we've got to listen to our politicians telling us it was just a regular tourist day. That guy, Louis Gomer, should be shamed, out of office, embarrassed, humiliated for treating the rest of us like we are stupid, like we are so beneath him intellectually that we won't ever catch on. That we won't know better because he has succeeded in convincing so many other people that he's absolutely right. Just like the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Trumps and the Pol Potts and the Jim Joneses and the Jim Jordans and the, the Applebottoms dude, whatever his name is, the Nike guy. They have convinced people beyond a shadow of a doubt that they know something they know more, and they are to be trusted, and nobody else is, because if they are found out to be the frauds that they are, it jeopardizes their status. And it makes you wonder how many of these people are not as smart As Marjorie Taylor Greene, who people have admitted don't believe her own lies, it is a long-game con in order to fill her pockets. But how many of these people, like Trump, seem to actually believe their own delusion, their own hysteria, their own outrage that they've manufactured to position people on the chessboard where it is most productive for them and profitable for them? We seem to not be allowed to say that some of these people are so far gone that it now poses a threat to the rest of us. And we have to humor it. I just, I think back and I think about all the people who marched off to war because some individual of influence told them that it was the right thing to do, or you weren't a good person, you didn't love your country, or... They got on a plane and flew it into a building because somebody told them that they would be served in heaven forever at the right hand of God. How many children did we allow to be beaten in school because they used their left hand instead of their right hand, and the nuns believed that that you were predisposed to evil? That's the damage that influence caused, an influence in pursuit of control, whether it be put control of our belief, of our intellect, of our decision-making, of our impressions of the world around us, what we accept, what we reject, what we believe, what we disbelieve, what we immerse ourselves in, what conspiracy we buy, what products even. My pillow, anyone? How does nobody see that it all comes back to this worship of money and power that serves an individual, not a people? And there were people masturbating to their power in American Senate and Congress, masturbating to their power in mega churches around the globe, masturbating to their power as they convinced people that aliens were coming by to pick them up on some extraterrestrial magic school bus. Why is that not perceived as a tragedy of the human condition? An affliction? Why are we not allowed to acknowledge that as a mental illness, but for so long, we classified gay people who are expressing a normal human condition, a trait of the natural evolution found in every species? Those people we damned ridiculed, shamed and destroyed pushed to suicide allowed to be locked up, time stolen that was okay or maybe even now you're with it enough to say that wasn't okay that was horrific so was slavery so was the wars that we fought in the past that was needless so was the holocaust so was january 6th we'll acknowledge the horror and the terror of it in the aftermath but during it a lot of people sit quietly and idly and they're like boy that's real shame but can't say anything because they don't want to create any drama. Just keep it to myself. I'll live my life. I don't want to get in anybody else's lane. The power of influence seems to be a persistent thread throughout time that has presented itself when it is advantageous to somebody they're willing to grab the thread. And there's always somebody in the position to grab the thread like the reins of a horse, and ride it through the lot of us, trampling our mental well-being and stability, driving us into a sea of madness as we just sit by it idly and watch because we feel compelled to entertain it. So I just find it discouraging to see that As far as we have evolved as people, we are still so vulnerable to that. In that way where it comes to us looking up to figures of influence, we still seem like naked little children wandering through a forest hoping somebody's going to come along and lead us out. And there's always uh, some great villain who presents themselves as grandma, but underneath they're really the wolf. And they tell us, don't worry, I can lead you out. And for some reason, we always believe them. Or there is an enormous part of the population who always believes them. And that person always then uses that influence, converts it into power and control, and tells them that somebody else is responsible. Somebody else led them astray, and only they can take them down the right path. Somebody else is the bad guy. Somebody else is causing all of their life strife, all of their pain, all of their problems, whether it's telling them that it's the middle class, right? The middle class. Let me appeal to the middle class of people and tell them that the ones causing all their problems are the poor, the immigrants. Let me tell the Christians the Christians. It's the gays. It's the trans people. Those are the ones destroying the moral fabric of society and the family unit. They always use that ignorance and that need to have somebody to blame against them. And they always point the finger in a direction that isn't their own. They stir it and stir it and stir it. And they use that tension they create and that sense of imminent doom to their benefit. And they glorify themselves. They glorify themselves as superior individuals. And by thus doing that, then they are glorified by their sheep who will do anything to preserve the status of that person at any cost because they are now precious near deity status. They will protect them. Or maybe they've bought so far into the delusion that they cannot. Admit they were wrong because they are embarrassed and they will now die on that hill or go down with that ship because they believed somebody who was a bad, bad person. And our society at its present state is getting weaker and weaker, which makes us more vulnerable and more apt to be led rather than self-lead. Fooled, tricked, deceived, rather than self-rely. There's a consequence to influence. There's the consequences that we suffer, all of us together, because we all watched what happened on January 6th, everybody. And there were people who suffered tremendously, who were not a part of the mob, families, policemen, the collateral damage of a hysteria. It is not victimless, and it should be called out, and it should be something that we, together, as a global community, rally against. Because a lot of these quote-unquote thought leaders will have people fighting each other than the real villain. Oh, sure. I mean, they'll have you fighting in the streets, defending their honor, They'll have you convinced that somebody else is the evildoer or the anti-patriot who hates America, who's causing them significant damage. They'll have white people fighting black people, gay people fighting straight people. They will have Christians fighting Muslims. They will make sure the sword of yours falls on anybody's neck but theirs. And they will all do it from a distance that is safe while the flames and the wreckage happen In front of us all. That is what influence is and that is the consequences of it when it is not held to account and we have forgotten how to hold those who possess influence to account because we've accepted those who have fallen under the spell of another's influence dating back centuries. We have forgotten how to challenge it and drag it back To planet Earth, to reality. It's really interesting. Somebody asked online what would happen to religion if life was actually discovered on another planet? Or if aliens, extremely intelligent, sentient beings, visit us? What would happen to the cornerstones of religion? And there were all kinds of theories about it breaking down and finally falling apart and finally being deconstructed. And those who had needed religion in order to be a good people start building back their own ability to recognize the goodness in themselves as not needing some figure in the clouds watching over them determining their worthiness or unworthiness of salvation or an afterlife. What would happen? And I realized, do you know that some influences are so embedded in our culture and some people have been committed to it so long and it is so deeply ingrained in their DNA that it wouldn't matter. They would take that and make the narrative fit their own. They would somehow say, well, God created these aliens. They just don't know it. Jesus is who these aliens need to follow. And depending on where they landed, maybe there would be people who say, Trump is who they need to follow. Let them get to them before the liberals do, because the liberals will have them hugging trees and worrying about the climate. We need to get them on our side first. It's amazing how people will so eagerly do the bidding of another individual they've never met, never seen, sometimes have no evidence ever existed. But they will do the work in order to convert and recruit other people into the same method of thinking, often with no profit for themselves at all, for somebody else. I had missionaries come to my door, lovely little old couple wanted to give me a Jehovah's Witness Bible, It was interesting to me because as they told me their story of how the two of them, Harold and Alma, had committed their entire lives to Jehovah and the beliefs therein and wanted to hand me a Watchtower magazine and drag me into that indoctrinated system, policing my behavior and my thoughts and my beliefs and what I wear and how I think and what I do and who I talk to and what I accept and what I reject, I actually... Just said to them, I'm sorry, I'm a witch. The stars and the moon and the sky, the wind and the clouds and the air, the sea, that's my God. That's my God. I am a friend to animals. I'm a friend to people. Prefer the company of animals just to be safe. The damage that I has done no more than made my cat an absolute bitch. That's the extent of my damage in my own home in the swamp. Very limited. Very limited, my reach. Very fortunate in that respect. Safer. But they walked away quite upset. A little angry that I wasn't interested in entertaining them after their exhausted drive out here into the middle of nowhere that they had traveled to like I was some third-world country. This, you know, remote, destitute area that needed a little dose of their God. And they were kind of upset when they departed that I wasn't interested. Like I had wasted their time. Didn't invite them, but definitely wasted their time. The ability for people to feel slighted when you reject the hysteria, when you reject the unhinging yourself from reality to join them in that state of subservience to thought and control. I don't know who sent them here. I don't know what church they came from. I don't know what branch they were from. I don't know what tiers there are and who the head of it all is that would have received my tithe. I don't know. But I had it off at the pass. I get right to it. I don't want it. I can police myself. I can take care of me. I am responsible for what I allow into my orbit. And I choose not to entertain the radicalism, and the psychosis, and the hysteria, and the people whose goal is to oppress me for one reason or another, or lock me into a sense of commitment that I don't owe them. I don't owe them my sanity. I don't owe them my motivation to fit in or conform to their acceptable ideology or behaviors or practices. I don't know anybody that, neither do you. And I'm done entertaining it. I'm done giving it my time. I'm done not saying, I'm sorry, that's insane, and I'm not interested, instead of keeping quiet so I don't piss anybody off. Because that kind of influence is going to lead to some very, very, dark days that will make this look like we're all in an episode of Rainbow Bright. That's why where I am, I'm just happy that the most affected by my influence personally is my cat. She's the one that really holds me accountable because as a result of how I am and just my general personality, she's not necessarily nice to me. So it's like having a mirror held up in front of me. And I realize sometimes that her behavioral patterns match my own. You see these people going out there going, don't ask me why I treat you like shit. My energy is just matching yours. Or I'm giving what I get. That's like, that's just taking control. Your own control. Determining yourself how you are going to impact the world around you and respond to it instead of letting it Lead you. I thought that was a really interesting conversation to have with you this morning, my dear survivors, my friends out there fighting through, trying to survive these bizarre times that we're living in. Watch out for the red flags. Watch out for the red flags. Watch out for those influencers who are looking to use your thoughts as their currency. And with that, I will see you guys on the next episode of Good Morning Survivors. I hope you all have a really good week. Good Morning Survivors. It's time to wake up.